I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and welcome to my vlog, where I'm currently driving from Las Vegas to LA. Uh, the reason for this is because I was at the Silver State Film Festival with my latest feature film, A Bogota Trip. We just had a screening. I'll get into that. And now I'm going home. I have quite a bit of downtime. The road is all straight, so I figured I'd you know, just record an episode, record my thoughts as I drive along. So yeah, plenty of time to do so. Now, let's take a step back, right? So um, literally just a few hours ago, a Bogota trip, my latest movie, about two sets of American tourists who bump into each other uh, in Colombia. Um, and then, you know, kind of it their worlds collide essentially because of that, you know, just played. And it was, it was really good to, to do it, right? Um, the crowd wasn't that big, but, uh, but everyone there really got something out of it. You know, it worked on them. Um, some, some things might have touched the nerve, some, um, and they were trying to process it and so forth. So it's really one of those movies that, um, I'm very proud of, right? And as I was watching it, I kind of was thinking to myself, you know, if in hindsight I would have changed a couple of things, and I thought about maybe like, you know, if, if I could like strengthen one aspect of the movie, you know, would I do that um, and so forth. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's one of those like we do the best we can at any given moment. Um, and certainly every time I screen the movie, it works and resonates with audiences. And so, you know, it's like, why mess with something that isn't broken? You know, in a lot of ways, like Tim Ferriss talks about, he's the author of The 4-Hour Workweek, and one of the things that, you know, he reflects upon is his writing style was so amateurish, or whatever, right? Juvenile, um, very just like early writer sort of stage, right? And yet that movie, or that book rather, is highly, highly successful. You know, it continues to be a bestseller. And so the idea of going back in and revising it as such threatens to take away the charm of it, you know, that, that magic that it captured, right? And in many ways, I kind of look at this in some way. And maybe, you know, who knows, I might go back in and touch up the one thing. Like, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, how would I even you know, do it if I wanted to, um, you know, purely like, you, you know, I have the question in mind. And so now it's like, well, what would even the answer be? And maybe it's a worthwhile pursuit. Maybe it's not, but I'll tell you one thing, um, you know, it was just great to see in general on the big screen last time out that I had seen it. Let's just say it was suboptimal. Right. And this was a while ago. So you know, though it's played other film festivals, I have not been present at those festivals um, and whatnot. So, yeah, it was just great to see it projected very crisply. Like, the colors looked amazing. Everything was sharp. Um, like, the bulb wasn't going in and out. Um, it sounded great. And now, mind you, this was like a version of the movie um, from, like, two versions past, meaning we'd gone in and touched up some of the visual effects a little bit more, 
we definitely worked on sound further to get it to a point, you know, that we really, really liked it. And I didn't feel the need, you know, basically when you screen for most film festivals, you have to submit a digital cinema package, a DCP. And that's quite costly. And so I didn't feel the need to, you know, go back in and redo that aspect just potentially for this film festival. I mean, we still have quite a number of festivals that we have yet to hear back from. I mean, as I was telling uh, one of my friends, you know, our our last, like, notification won't be till like, March 30th of 2023. So, you know, there's still plenty of festivals that we could play. But, you know, initially, it was one of those things, you know, um, that, like, yeah, if, if it gets into more festivals, I might, you know, fully update the DCP based on the latest version of the movie with the fully final sound, the fully final video. But for this one, I was like, you know what? I, I know what the uh, quote-unquote mistakes are. No one else is going to see them as mistakes. They're not really mistakes. So, like, just let it be, right? Essentially what I chose. And, um, you know, even seeing it now, yeah, it, it was just good. If nothing else, like if there was no uh, nobody else in the audience, it was just fantastic to experience the movie as an audience member and just quite literally see a movie, right? That I would no different than I go whenever I see movies, right? Whether it's, you know, Black Adam, whether it's Ticket to Paradise, any of those types of Hollywood movies. Like it really looked and sounded good. And especially sound-wise, uh, like I, I was just ecstatic that picture-wise it looked so crisp, which I knew that it would and could and does, but I just yeah I remember um, the the most recent screening that I had before this yeah the projector was just not good um, I, I like they literally I think played the backup version and it looks so almost like out of focus and like low res and it was just very yeah it just put me in a bad spot like I didn't want that to be like my you know sort of what what, what what remained as like, hey, in my mind, this is what it looks like on the big screen, right? So if I play no other festivals moving forward, I had a great time with my movie, right? Sound-wise, you know, I was listening throughout and and what I was really trying to be critical of, because like, you know, the, the point got made of, and I've been trying to explore it, of like, do you, you know, can the sound be improved? Of course, you want you like I said, you want to put your best foot forward. You always strive for you know having it be as good as it can be. And I was listening to it. I'm like, it doesn't need it. Like, for, like, okay, maybe you can maybe you could do it better. But to what degree? Like a one percent better shot? Like it, it? I mean, my main thing is. Can you hear the people? Does it sound clear? And do you understand what they're saying? And it, and if you can kind of accomplish that, then you're already good. And and because most movies on an indie, especially low budget level, just fail that completely. And not only did, did we not fail that, it actually succeeds. Like it's quite 
audible. It sounds very good. You know, it's mixed very well, um, both in terms of obviously the dialogue, but then you have the music and the sound effects and so forth. So it really soars on that level. You know, the music really hooks you. Um, it was just fantastic. Like that, that's always a, a big, big positive for people is the music. Um, you know, it's set in Colombia, so they really feel like they got to experience Colombia, um, which was which is what we wanted. And you know, the story resonates. Uh, you know, there's there's five characters that are the main characters in the film, and everyone sees at least a part of themselves. But obviously, they gravitate towards one particular person more than the other. Um, and it's always kind of interesting, like you know, like a nice barometer of who, who they are, right? What it, what it reveals about themselves based on the character that they identify with most. And that, that's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, all in all, um, really good. And I think truly this is one of the first screenings that I've had the most interaction with people who had no connection to me that went into the movie essentially blind and got something out of it, right? Because certainly for the premiere, um, it was all friends and family type type of type of an event, and you know, sprinkled in throughout. I'm, I can't quite say for sure. You know, you might have a filmmaker who's curious to check out this, and you know, they might have sat there. But like, when all was said and done, I didn't get a chance to interact with them, right? I didn't get to get a chance to glimpse their reaction um, because it was my friends coming up to me and my, and, and, you know, kind of discussing the movie with me and just having that moment, right? Whereas this, you know, it it wasn't like the most people in the world, right? It, It was a pretty intimate screening. And so, you know, in that sense, I was very much aware of who was there and, and the people that were there, as I said, had no ties to me. And so it was great to observe that and and be thankful that, yeah, they, they made the choice to spend time, you know, essentially 90 minutes with my movie, and they did get something out of it, right? It, that, that they showed an equal, let's say, joyous reaction, no different than my friends did when they saw it, right? So it's not just like, oh, it's my friends that uh, that enjoyed it. No, it's... It's really other people as well. And, you know, I kind of talked about this back when we had the premiere on June 20th. I've certainly been in situations where someone says congratulations because it's an obligatory aspect of the whole ordeal. That, even back then, never felt like that, even from my friends. Like, they they genuinely, you, you could tell there was goodwill, that it was sincere and so forth. But now to get that sameness from strangers was awesome, right? It does make you feel good. And as I said, like, if nothing else, I just really enjoyed my own movie and watching it and being able to luxuriate within the world that I had created. And I was quite in awe of, like, I can't believe I pulled this off. Like, it's crazy that, you know, I I, I dragged, um, I, I say dragged, um, Obviously, I didn't, you know, everyone was was willing, but, you know, I essentially 
convince people to come to Columbia with me on this crazy idea that we would make a feature film in a matter of about 12 days. And we did. We pulled it off. It it had hurdles and, and we had to adjust, but everyone was very committed. And, you know, that was always also something that really resonated with me was just how awesome and talented, you know, the people are. Obviously, the aspect of the actors is front and center, right? Because they're the ones that are captured on screen and everyone really brought their A game. And I'm so grateful for them. In particular, of course, the five main actors, they took the biggest leap of, you know, creatively, you know, I can't, I don't know about in their lives, but certainly I, I would have to think this ranks pretty high up there because I know, you know, from speaking with them, just like me, they, they had similar reactions from friends and family, like, wait, you're going to go to Columbia to shoot a movie? What? Uh, you know, and, and, and we all made that commitment, we all did it, and it was awesome, you know, they, they really, really shine, I really believe them as the characters, I really get invested in, in, in their storylines, their emotions, and so forth, and then, of course, like, the technical aspect, right, you know, uh, the, the fact that the music is so engaging with people like that that was most of it was done specifically for the movie we only sourced like three or four songs really uh, you know all together when in reality like the the movie has 45 tracks right of of I'll just call it score let's say right and that's fantastic, and the way it looks visually from a color perspective, a shot selection standpoint, an editing standpoint, um, you know, I, I, I made note of the sound mix, so the fact that it sounds as good as it does when, you know, it didn't always have to be that way, uh, the few visual effects sequences that we do have work really well. Yeah, so I think it was just awesome to experience and, and have that moment, um, which parallels my friend Jeff Graham. You know, we essentially started our festival run together because he played the same festival that I premiered at uh, called the Marina Del Rey Film Festival. And uh, so that was, you know, that was awesome. He saw my movie, I saw his. And then this festival, we also played together. His was the day before, so I got a chance to see it. And like him, he had, you know, um, I didn't talk to him as deeply um, about it just because, you know, there's other people that uh, that he was essentially tending to. But just in seeing his interactions when we talked about it, I could tell that he had a similar experience, right? Where it was just good to see his movie and continue to enjoy and, and spot new things that one can appreciate about it, right? Um, and I certainly did myself, right? It's a movie that I'd seen at this point, the final version of it. Uh, this was my third time. I'd seen other versions of it, like earlier rough cuts and, you know, the, the pre-sound mix and, you know, all that stuff. So I'd seen him go on this journey, but to see it for the third time in its final form and be able to enjoy it and see new things about it, yeah, it just really resonated um, and, reason, and and just had an effect on me, right? And so it was, it was just an overall great experience in that way. 
And what's fascinating to me, kind of as I, as I look back on it, you know, it's really those moments that, from the outside in, seem quite glamorous, right? But you know, to get to those moments, it's so much time and effort. You know, like literally, I was trying to figure out with the cast and figure out who can come and so forth. And, you know, people just were busy, so they couldn't. But, um, you know, uh, I was trying to, like, coordinate, you know, do we carpool? Can we, like, fly together and so forth? And it just, again, in that sense, didn't work out. But, yeah, I made the decision to, okay, well, you know, it's a festival that's close by to L.A. Let me let me go um, and represent the movie. But yeah, you know, driving, like I drove, right? So driving there was about four and a half hours. Now driving back, uh, I don't know if you can kind of tell. Um, now I'm, I'm a little bit slowed down, like I'm back in traffic. Uh, so we'll see, you know, it could be like five, maybe six hours to get fully home, you know, when all is said and done. And it's that stuff that is the unglamorous side of, you know, just any sort of creative endeavor but you got to go through it if you want those rewards you know are you willing to go through all that for these little moments and uh, yeah I mean it's it's a big aspect of it that we all have to essentially ask ourselves um, because it is a grind you know and watching the movie today it was very easy to get sucked into it and enjoy it as I said as just a movie that I would go see in a theater forgetting all the things that it took to get there you know almost forgetting having this sort of amnesia of how just difficult it was and how crazy in hindsight that we did accomplish what we did so yeah, that's, I mean, it's it's both a blessing and a curse because it's a testament to the movie. Um, but it, you know, not that it, it'll change me wanting to make a movie, but like, yeah, you, you sort of forget that pain. And I think to some degree that that's good because, yeah, again... I mean, I know, I know how hard this movie was, but but the pain of it, you know, was ultimately temporary. And so, I'm moving forward with another idea, you know, for my next project. And that's been difficult, but but yeah, it's almost like seeing this on the big screen. It, it just kind of refuels you, knowing how grueling this is, and that that sort of challenge of it all. Is what is what does make it all worth it, but it, but the fact that it is not glamorous and and within that it's a puzzle to figure out and and whatnot because you know I talked about it in other episodes, but if you're unfamiliar, I'm essentially right now in the very early stages of uh, an animated trilogy. You know, the best way to sort of describe it at this point in time in terms of what the story is is like Princess Mononoke meets Marvel's Infinity War, right? And, you know, right now I'm still plotting out what is this story? You know, where does it go? Um, and really shaping it. 
and so you know the road ahead of me I know is quite arduous and, and I've sort of already been banging my head against the wall so to speak already with this movie just trying to figure out the minutia of, of certain like how do I get from here to here and what does this mean and you know why is this this is just too cliche and you know what am I trying to say here all, all that stuff right that uh, that any writer ultimately struggles with, and but just making progress, you know, um, one of the things that sort of sort of shifting gears, but but related to the project, obviously. So, you know, what works for me is always having a visual sense of who the characters are. The more I get to know them, the easier it becomes to write, and in that sense. You know, when this this is a completely made up world, completely made up characters, and so I'm not drawing inspirations from the more real world. I mean, I am, of course, in that sense, like we're all inspired by the world. But yeah, so, you know, as far as the characters, I'm working with the animators that would ultimately create the movie. Right now, we're working on the character designs of the main people, so that way I can essentially, you know, hang them up or print them out, hang them up, and look at them and, and be able to really see in my mind's eye. Okay, cool. This is these are the people. Now, what would this person do in this situation, right? And it's valuable to me, and um, obviously, it's going to be necessary. It's just necessary in general, right? Like it was, was going to be a thing that needed to get done so why not do it right now right and and allow myself to have it be beneficial to help me so so that's been fantastic right um, and you know things in general speaking of like inspiration and just allowing yourself to receive for lack of a better term you know, I knew in Vegas, like, Vegas can get pretty expensive, and I didn't want to spend a lot of money, so I knew kind of worst case, like, I just essentially would walk the strip or whatever and just, you know, observe and have fun. I mean, it was Halloween weekend, so, and it's a privilege just to be in Vegas, right? So I didn't want to just, like, stay inside or whatever, um, but at the same time, I didn't want to, like, go all out and party or anything like that. Um, and what I ended up doing, so I was like, you know what, let me just walk over to the MGM where David Copperfield has a residency and just see about tickets because I was looking up tickets online and they were quite costly but I was like maybe you know if I talk to somebody like I can get like a seat far back and it'll be cheap um, maybe you know let's just see and what ended up happening was I actually got there and went to the ticket booth and they were like five minutes from showtime they were like hey um, you know when we're this close and especially if like it's just you all of our tickets are the same price, and there was like literally a ticket. There were t tickets like literally front row, um, but it was a little bit off on the side. And then there was like the second row, which is, you know, what, what I come to find out, like still very close. I was like probably like 15 feet away from, you know, David Copperfield ultimately. But anyway, yeah, so it, it was like in the middle of that second row, all for a really cheap price far cheaper than like what I was seeing 
even before, you know, like for a single person in the way, 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 way back, right? So I was like, hell yeah, okay, let's do it. And uh, so yeah, I got a chance to see David Copperfield. Now, David Copperfield, if you're unfamiliar, he's a magician, an illusionist, whatever you want to call it. In my mind, he's the greatest. And he's just an entertainer, great performer, and I've loved him since I was a kid. And, you know, one of, one of the things that I appreciate about him is his through line with magic. Like, he always tries to tell a story, you know, purvey something with what he's making. And this one was essentially about live the impossible. So the whole show, and I won't give away the show, I won't spoil the show, but I will say it opens up you know, with him as a kid talking about how people made fun of him for wanting to be a magician. And so he threw away everything. And then the next day he found it again. And there was a note from his dad that said, live the impossible. You know, and essentially never give up on your dreams sort of thing. And, you know, the way the show is structured and where it goes from there... It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It truly resonated. It re-inspired me. Um, and yeah, it, it, like a lot of, a big motif of, you know, the through lines that David has done throughout his career, right? Not just this show, but throughout his career is this idea of like feeling like an outsider, um, you know, trying to find your own place and trying to you know, figure out what you're good at and, and make it work and so forth. And um, I think that's a great message for anyone. But certainly it uh, was one that resonated well with me. And it was just great to be re-inspired by that and knowing how much hard work I have ahead of me with new projects, you know. So I was very grateful that I got to have that experience and the fact that like you know I was 15 feet away from him so it was it was truly truly awesome um, you know part of this past week was making sure that I put into place the right preparation so I got ahead on various aspects of work to be able to put myself in the situations um, knowing that I would essentially be gone the weekend so that way, you know, I didn't miss a beat on the stuff that needed to get done. And, you know, all things in general are very much a negotiation, if you will, right? You got to know what's really, really important, what, you know, you'd, you'd love to kind of get done, but maybe it's not worth, um, you know, th that you can't just do right now. Maybe you could, but it's not worth pushing yourself because it can cost you more, Um by doing that and so you know you, as long as you're overall making progress and again sometimes progress you're not always going to make all the time with everything but you try and figure it out right and certainly like uh, even for me like something that I that's was a little bit unexpected um, which sounds darker than it really is but uh, my cousin, he called me and he requested me like, hey, um, you know, you're a filmmaker. Uh, 
we have all this video from our wedding and we don't think the videographer the the guy who shot it can actually put together a compelling storyline you know we we'd like to have a vision for it and we think obviously like you're skilled enough to to be able to do it would you be willing to take it on and you know i was like yeah of course um you know this isn't a paid thing um you know it's essentially my gift to them right and it's going to be quite a lot of work right it's it's hours of footage and all this and you know making it all work but sometimes you know you, you even those things right which i've seen other people and could be very easy like to get upset of like oh i never have time for my stuff or like this is taking away from my stuff and i'm not being paid or whatever and it's like no you know what part of why i love art in general is the ability to communicate and and connect us and allow us to understand that like life is precious right and so you know if i can create something that's going to have so much meaning for not only them but other people that watch their wedding video you know whether i mean it's just going to be something that they get to keep for the rest of their lives right you know their kids can watch it and you know other people that perhaps weren't there and so forth like so i'm like yeah of course um so oftentimes with anything i try to look at what's what's being gained by here you know like what's the, what's the real what's the real like cost if you will right so yes it's costing me time but in comparison to the trade off it's nothing right and if i think as artists we kind of tend to forget that cuz you know this going back to my movie it wasn't a sold out theater by any stretch of the imagination but as i said the people that were there really got something out of it and so i think we oftentimes discredit people because we're like searching for a number oh i have to have a sold out audience or like you know i have to sell a million copies whatever it is right when if the impact of what we create really does resonate with you know those people we can't discredit that and there's this beauty in that and i think that's how we have to approach it you know and that's why slowly but surely i think people are starting to gravitate towards what i do is because i put that care into fostering an audience essentially right to make sure that what they come to enjoy has value for them you know and that could be whether like recently i came out with my um revised edition of master mental fortitude which is a non-fiction book with 35 lessons for any creative out there um to help them achieve their creative ambitions right So a different medium but you know that very much like it's jam packed it tell like each chapter is what what is the lesson 
how it applies to your life, some words of inspiration, and then an exercise for you to put it to actual use. <clears throat> and slowly but surely, you know, if you want to like use the metaphor of digging a hole, like, you know, at first the hole started off small and now it's bigger and bigger. Um, or, you know, you can equate it to like the audience size, right? At first my audience wasn't that big, now it's getting slowly bigger and bigger. Now, comparatively to others, no, you know, uh, not by any means, but, but the depth of that connection is what I value and, uh, and what I can continue to hold on to, right? And something that I often talk about and think about is this idea of marketing, right? You know, there's, let's say, 8 billion people in the world so just realistically you know the statistic is you're not gonna you're gonna barely scratch the surface on who sees what you have right um, I, 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 let's say a movie makes 200 million dollars at the box office you know I, I often think about well, what is that in terms of people it doesn't actually amount to much you know, but I forget what the ticket price is, like the average ticket price is now um, in the U.S. and so forth. But let's let's just be let's just be very generous and say that it's 20 million people, right? Not a bad number, right? Certainly, 20 million people is a lot, but it, it is still a fraction of that 8 billion people that exist in the world. And so the real point that I'm trying to make is go find your audience. Don't be so focused on the number of people, but be focused on finding the people whose work who, that, that your work would resonate with. And it doesn't matter the number size, like really just go out and find them and bring it to them however you can. And, and, you know, against that idea that it's a very unsexy, unglamorous process. But if you can do it, then you'll start to get the results. And as I, you know, in many ways, I just appreciate the journey of it. Like, the fact that I spent time with people who really enjoyed the movie. That is the reward in and of itself. So yeah, it's just kind of been awesome to um, think about in that way. Shifting gears, um, another sort of thing that you know I've been working on um, this week, uh, very minimally compared to my other friends, but coming up we have a comedy special taping, right? And so for that, they're producing it. Um, you know, they're gathering various equipment, you know, video equipment and so forth, audio equipment, lighting and all that stuff. And so this week, you know, I kind of made sure to pack up what I had, um, let them know uh, so that way they knew what they might have been missing in terms of what they you know, for example, like, 
let's say I have a slider, right? But then it's like, okay, but I don't have the slider legs. Um, and it doesn't matter if you don't know what that means. It essentially means I, like, I have one component and they would need to get um, another component to make it fully functional, right? So just kind of that stuff, right? And um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, talk about like a lot of, lot of work, right? So much like I went through with my movie, right? Um, there's so much time and effort going into this to make sure everything's accounted for. And overall, it seems, you know, and, and I was talking with my friend Khalil, who's, you know, part of all this. And, you know, it's, it's funny how the difference of a day can truly make because, you know, one day you don't have anything, you're nervous, nothing's ever going to come together and that you're essentially screwed, right? And the next day, like, if you just kind of go through the, all the questions and take it little bit by little bit, you know, him and the rest of the team, all of a sudden, you know, the next day, you're like, okay, wow. Okay, all the things that I was trepidatious about, now, you know, there's still plenty of work left to be done, but it's actually coming together, and it's doable, and it can be done, right? So that's a big, big component of it. And yeah, you just have to really break it down into bite-sized chunks. You know, don't be overwhelmed by it. Like, okay, what's what's the first thing you're going to start with? It might be having to make a list. <laughs> it might be planning out time to sit down to make a list. Like, whatever it is. But just, you know, get in there in terms of the true nitty-gritty and also just doing it, right? I, I found that I get quite anxious about all the things, but the antidote really is, okay, let me just sit down at this desk and really start to work at it. And then after a few hours, you're like, okay, okay, this is, this doesn't seem so bad. It's doable, you know? So really, in many ways, the anecdote creatively to that anxiety is just do the work, you know? Honestly, the hard, hardest part about writing sometimes is just sitting down to do it, you know? But once I do, even if it's not my greatest writing session, I've moved the ball forward, as they say. And that's really, really worthwhile. So yeah, you know, you just do what you can. Um, but that is the antidote. Just, just make progress little by little, however you can. Um, Overall, that's kind of what my week's been about. Um, you know, a um, lot of lot of stuff just kind of moving parts and stuff like that. Um, especially as we go get to towards the end of the year, right? You know, there's going to be the holidays, um, so there, there's going to be a lot of stuff dedicated toward that. For me personally, I love the World Cup, so that'll begin. November 20th so you know I want to dedicate time to that and so forth right so there's gonna be a lot of things competing for my attention and yet sometimes I find that can be a good way of focusing yourself because when you you know it's like if you knew that you were going on vacation all of a sudden 
you know, you're going to, that final day, you're going to like just nose to the grindstone sort of thing and get it done. Wouldn't normally might have taken you a week. Like you just find a way to get it done. I mean, it's, um, there's the theory of Parkinson's law, not to be confused with um, Parkinson's disease, but Parkinson's law essentially dictates the time of completion will take you exactly how much you give it. So you give something two weeks, it'll take two weeks. You give it something two days, it'll take two days. So in, uh, in that sense, you know, sometimes just, you know, knowing that like, okay, today I only have an hour to write, better make it a really worthwhile hour as opposed to like if you have four or five hours, then it's like, ah, I can lollygag and, you know, I can hop off for a quick minute to check social media or whatever, like, you know, or stare out into space in a way that, you know, isn't necessarily productive. So, yeah, don't, sometimes people, they they fret against that and push against that idea that, oh, well, I only have a limited amount of time. It's like, you know what? That could actually be to your benefit. You know, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Just how are you going to embrace that or not embrace it and then be frustrated by it, right? Anyway, that's what I have for you. Um, I truly appreciate you taking time to tune in. As always, if you want to support me, there is my Patreon page, patreon.com slash philosphitech. Um, you know, there's various tiers and... You know, you can support me and we can actually, like, it's meant to be a more direct engagement, right? Um, so I can interact with you on a more personal level. Uh, of course, um, you can also do my coaching. If that sounds like something you want to get straight into, great. Um, as always, you can also comment um, down below or hit me up on social media. We can also interact that way. And if any of the stuff that I've been talking about sounds of interest, well, check it out. You know, I have books, I have movies. Um, so all of those are linked to down below for your convenience. Check them out. Um, support them. Supporting them does help all of this out because by those being self-sustaining, create more of them, learn and share that information freely here with you. Anyway, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I'll see you next time.